Well, hello to the creek, to all the campuses, those joining online. I want to take a moment and express my heart of gratitude to each of you. If you have ever given to the creek church, I just want to put my hands together for you. Put your hands together for yourselves as well. Amazing. Well done. 39,366 students have been educated since New Missions was founded. And to the glory of God, today we celebrate the power of the gospel to change lives. And as your church has been generous, you know generosity changes lives. And we have seen graduates now that have become pastors and teachers and attorneys and engineers, and they're transforming their communities and they're helping their families flourish. In the video that you just watched, the gentleman at the end, he was brought to our school. His mom raised him in Haiti after his father fled the country. And he told me how in school he learned John 3.16. And then he went up a mango tree and decided to commit his life to Jesus. And today he is actually a pastor here in the United States of America. Isn't that amazing? All the way from Haiti, God changed his life. And then in Haiti, you saw the video with some of our other graduates, Pastor Yagil, uh, he greeted us this morning. And today in Haiti, he is pastoring the very first church that we started back in 1983 to the glory of God. So thank you to the Creek for your love and generosity to see lives change as you have helped build churches and schools and drilled wells and build kitchens. And it's amazing to see how the gospel is transforming lives there in Haiti. In a country, unfortunately, uh, where there was more voodoo than any other country in the world. And little did we know back in 1983, when God moved our family to Haiti to start new missions, we did not know that there was more voodoo on the Laogon Plain where we started our mission than any other part of Haiti. So God sent us to the voodoo capital of the world where we would go village by village, hut by hut, and begin to share this gospel message that would change lives and establish churches and communities that had no churches and drill wells where there were no wells. And we're seeing lives change. And now a new generation is rising up to lead the mission forward in Haiti and the Dominican Republic to the glory of God. So thank you for your faithfulness here at the Creek. And I know, uh, Pastor Trevor, I just wanna shout out to you and your church team and what you're doing here. You're, you're close to almost two years away from 20 years here at the Creek. So I thank you for your faithfulness and steadfast calling to the gospel as well. Would you join me in honoring Pastor Trevor this morning as well? And today I wanna share a message on my heart titled God's Vision for You. We can take a moment and celebrate new missions 40 years but really the question I have for us today is, what is the vision that God has for you in your life? Because there are some of us, you can not have a vision and we know what happens if we don't have a vision. We really don't have a reason to wake up in the morning. There, there is not a sense of purpose or meaning. And unfortunately, you know, and we've heard it in recent weeks about even the challenge for our families to have a vision for our homes. Because in Proverbs 29, it shares that without a vision, the people perish. And they have no aim, they have no direction, they have no meaning for life. And so it's so important that we really lean into the vision that God has for us. And I wanna to turn to a scripture found in John 3:16. It's very familiar to you. If, if you ever have heard this verse, I want you to join me in reading this aloud this morning. Let's read together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
And 40 years of new missions, I've been reflecting on this verse because this was really the catalyst on why we went to Haiti was to preach the gospel and make disciples and to share his love with these people in a country that was literally forgotten. There's been so many people that have tried to help Haiti, but unfortunately due to unrest, a lot of people end up having to leave Haiti. But for us, because our model was to plant churches and schools and develop local leaders, even when there's uncertainty, our mission is fully functioning because of local leadership. And so I reflect on this verse and I think, man, a lot of times I focus and lean into the love that God had when he gave his one and only son. I mean, how generous was his love that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. But now at 40 years, I reflect on this word perish in John 3:16, Because I think of the countless lives, those 39,366 students, I think of the countless lives that literally would have died from starvation or disease if our mission wasn't present in proximity to where they lived, to feed those children in school and to bring them medical care. But most importantly, the gospel. Because my hope and prayer for you and me today is that we would have a vision for our lives that is greater than our lifetime. I've been asking myself this question, do you have a vision greater than your lifetime? And people are perishing because they have no vision for their life, because they have no relationship with God. There is spiritual death, there is lostness, there is separation from God. And so this morning, I hope and pray that first you and I, that we would see the vision. And that vision is that Jesus loves you. At all the campuses online here in the room today, would you repeat after me, Jesus loves you? Here we go, Jesus loves you. One more time, Jesus loves you. My father had a church on 135 Belmont Street where I grew up and it was actually through this church that New Missions was planted. And on the outside of the church building, we had these letters carved out of wood and mounted and they read, Jesus loves you. But what you can't see in this photograph is on the other side of the street was a hospital. And during the week, the phone would ring at the church and patients would look out the window and they would see the vision that God had for them that Jesus loves you. And my family, we lived in this church building actually for five years. And uh, one thing that was really fun as a preacher's kid in those days was that I really mastered the skill of playing hide and go seek. <laughs> and I was teasing Shepherd during first service. You know, you could actually hide in the church and be away from your friends and they couldn't find you because in the worship center, there was a door that when you opened it, it led to the attic of the church. And there were these wooden staircases you could climb up. And when you got to the top of the attic, if you were brave enough, there was a wooden board on the ceiling. You could pop that open and you could leap on top of the roof of the church. And that's where I would hide as a kid. And in that church, we play hide and go seek. And I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe there's someone here today that's been trying to play hide and seek with God. Or maybe you know somebody in your family or in your neighborhood that they've been playing hide and go seek with God and maybe they know God exists, but they don't really want to lean into the love that he has for them. And really what we hope and pray is that they would see this vision that Jesus loves them and that they would come out of hiding and they would find 
the vision that God has for their life and that Jesus loves them. Because Jesus came in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and this was the mission. He said, for the son of man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. So we have friends and family and neighbors that may be playing hiding and seek and they're hiding from God. And the question is, what will we do? How far will we go to help seek and save the lost? And it's my hope that we would do whatever it takes. When we moved to Haiti, it was a whatever it takes mission. We were living in tents without electricity, without running water, without toilet facility. And we were doing whatever it takes to literally surrender to the vision. And I hope that today we would not only just see the vision that Jesus loves you, but that we would surrender to the vision. And when we surrender to the vision, we step into a season of life that we begin to serve others. There's been research studies done on the meaning of life and where happiness comes from. And Harvard even did a study on how volunteering actually increases your wellness and your, your health and it actually builds community and it brings happiness. And you here at the Creek, there are opportunities for you to serve. You can join a service team at Next Steps or you can download the app or go on the website and, and become a part of a community of believers that are serving others. Because as we're serving others, we find a deeper meaning and purpose for life. And in Haiti, we actually went there to serve and we lived in tents for three months when we pioneered this mission. And I remember living in this yellow canvas tent with my mom and dad and those were the pioneering years and it was very difficult. And as I reflect back on 40 years as a mission, I think of how in those pioneering years, we were willing to do something uncomfortable. We, we were willing to sacrifice. And, and maybe, maybe for some of us today at the Creek, we need to lean into this and ask the Lord to help us not only see the vision, but to surrender to the vision and to serve others with an attitude of sacrifice. So maybe showing up a, an hour early before service or crossing the street and helping the neighbor with a project or being available, hey, in a time of crisis, I'm, I'm not just gonna give, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna serve others. During the pandemic, there was a lot of interruption in our lives. And I remember catastrophically Chick-fil-A closed. And it was like, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do without Chick-fil-A? And then finally the drive-through opened and it was like happy dance for chicken Jesus. You know, it was like, this is great. We're gonna get our Jesus chicken back. But I think in America, the challenge we face is that even in that short season, when it felt like a lifetime, there were moments of discomfort. And I think for us in this culture, we really have to challenge ourselves to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and, and be willing to step into places of sacrifice and service unto others. Because when we live a life of service unto others, we live a very meaningful life. It's what Jesus would want us to do. You see here in Romans chapter 15, it says, may the God of hope, let me just stop for a moment. Does anyone here know anyone that's hurting? Maybe, maybe today you walked in these doors or you tuned in online or you stepped into that campus at Somerset. And maybe, maybe today there's hurt in your life. Maybe there was some news unwanted report from a doctor. Maybe there was a conversation with the spouse and maybe there's some pain or there's some hurt. You see, one thing about the creek that I love is Trevor and the team are leading this church 
to help you in a hurting life. When there's a season that is a challenge, they're not gonna run from you. They're gonna step in to be with you. You see, because may the God of hope fill you. We sang about his greatness this morning. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not the strength that we conjure up. We actually come in a sweet surrender and his presence fills us and it gives us a peace that passes all understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may, that you may abound in hope. And so in a country where there was more voodoo than any other country in the world, where you would say there's darkness, there's oppression, there's poverty at the highest level, we saw people better than they could see themselves. And maybe for some of us today, there's a neighbor or a coworker or a family member that is going through a point of pain in their lives and we need to see them better than they see themselves and we need to see them the way that our Heavenly Father sees them and that there is hope. And so today I wanna to encourage us not just to see the vision that Jesus loves you, not just to surrender to the vision and to serve others, but that we would speak the vision. That friend, there is hope in God. That there is hope in God, even in the hurt and even in the darkness, there is hope in God. As New Missions was celebrating our anniversary in January, 40 years was actually on January 6th, 1983, we went to Haiti. So 40 years this January, it was actually our wedding anniversary. <laughs> You know, so, so gentlemen, I just wanted to do something special for my wife on our anniversary. So I wanted to take us out to dinner, but I, you know, I wanted to take us to someplace nice, you know, like a place you had to make a reservation at, you know? And so we made a reservation at this restaurant and it was a new place in town and I was all excited. Wow, it's kind of special because normally it's like, you know, Chipotle to go, you know? And so I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be big time. And so we go to the restaurant and we sit down. It's just six people in the restaurant, but this is going to be so special. And they bring out the food and that, that meal was so cold. Like, and before the check came, they already removed my prime rib from the bill because they knew it was so bad. And so I'm like, I felt so bad with my bride. I wanted to, you know, just celebrate this anniversary. So like a good Italian, we walked around the corner to the pizza shop, got a large pepperoni with extra cheese and brought it home and ate some pizza together. You know, so we had a happy night. It was a good anniversary after all. But see, that anniversary weekend, you know, I'm thinking probably should do something even more special, go on a retreat, do a little getaway. But instead, I, I said to my wife, I said, beautiful, her name's Cheryl, I call her beautiful. I got some good tips from Pastor Trevor. I said, beautiful, what if tomorrow on our day after our anniversary, we, we invited some neighbors to breakfast? And so we began inviting neighbors to breakfast and we had 16 neighbors show up to have breakfast with us to kick off the new year. Instead of spending time alone in a retreat somewhere, we invited neighbors together because there are some that are moving into the community, some that have been living there. And I know some of the hurts and the pains and we'll go for walks together or bike rides and you hear some stories and it's just great to come gather around a table as neighbors and, and get to know one another and care for one another. That's one of the efforts I love about Pastor Trevor in the Creek is you, you advocate for that, for people to come gather around the table. Jesus used the table to build common ground and connection and community. In the Latin, there's a word called communitas. And it actually means the spirit of community. And it's actually measured by the number of meals that you share together. 
And so as neighbors, we gathered and you can begin to hear stories and I could begin to speak hope into some of these situations that people that lived just down the street from me are facing. I just had a friend in the neighborhood that we go bike riding with and unfortunately there were some layoffs happening in the tech space and we go for bike rides and he doesn't have a personal relationship with God, but we'd have conversations and I'd speak hope and I says, Jeff, man, you're, you're smarter than you were when you started there. You know, they, they even promoted you. The layoffs were just company wide. I bet there's an opportunity for you. And he started going on LinkedIn and putting in some applications. And I just got a text this last week from Jeff that he had three job offers. He accepted one and it's for more pay than what he lost at the job that he was kicked out of. Speaking hope into people's lives. Maybe there's somebody for you that you can speak vision to them and you can share with them that there is hope in God. A lot of times for my neighbors in those circumstances, I will say this to Jeff and I'll say it to Carlos and I'll say it to Fabian. Hey, I'll be praying for you during this season. And that we can speak that vision that there is hope in God. Because when we arrived in Haiti on January 6, 1983, three days later, we planted our very first church under coconut trees. And under these coconut trees, we hung a banner to speak that vision. You see, the church ladies in my dad's church on 135 Belmont Street, they, they loved making banners and hanging them on the walls. And so they decided that we should start our first church with a banner. So they went and opened up the encyclopedia. This is pre-Google. And they learned that the national language of Haiti was French. So they made this banner and it read, Haiti, espérance en Dieu. Haiti, hope in God. And so they hung that banner on that very first Sunday. But little did they know that the national language and the native language, national language is French, but the native language was Haitian Creole. And so these villagers that came to the church on that Sunday, they could not read the banner. So they're probably wondering, like, what does it say? We will eat you after church? I mean, they didn't know what it read. And so friends, I show you that today as an example that in our lives, we have to speak the vision even maybe when we're not perfect. You don't need to memorize the book of Leviticus to speak the vision and share hope with your neighbors or coworkers or your family. You just have to be present and in proximity. One of the most powerful tools people have, especially even in leadership, is the tool of listening. But then what? One of the greatest ways to listen is to actually use your eyes and to look at people and pay attention to them. And so today you can speak the vision just by the way that you are present in people's lives and your proximity and the way that you listen and you look and you're there for them. So we went to these villages and we planted churches and schools and we listened to the problems and the needs and the crisis in those homes. And one of them was actually giving birth to children that children were dying at the moment of being born. And so what did we do? We launched a midwife training program and trained midwives and deployed them to villages so that moms that didn't know Jesus would experience the vision that Jesus loved them as Christian midwives would come into the home and help deliver their child. And so for all of us today, may we step into this vision that God has for us. And it is a vision greater than our lifetime. Because as we see the vision, 
then we can then speak the vision that there is hope in God and share his love with others. In Romans, I want to share this with you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think about this verse and how God's love is so powerful that there's nothing that's going to separate us from it. But how in our present day is this possible? And I believe that this is possible because for God so loved the world, he sends us. And through our lives, his love becomes evident to the families, to the homes, to the schools, to the classrooms. Because now we have students that will say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For my teacher told me so. Or maybe for you in your home, it'll be, Jesus loves me so for my mom. For my father told me so. See, now we can reflect on 40 years and we have graduates that have graduated from new missions and they're attorneys and engineers and teachers and doctors and they're scattered across the world because the gospel has changed their lives and now because they see the vision that Jesus loves them and they're surrendering to the vision to serve others, they can now speak the vision and bring hope to the places in which they live and it's scattered. But I remember in Haiti when we were starting to first plant the first 10 churches and we were trying to bring the gospel to villages that only had voodoo, it was challenging because we were coming up against opposition of darkness and a, a religion that was literally generations old. It was brought to the island in 1804 when the West African slaves were coming over to work the French plantations. And I remember going to this one village of Con Crab one night. I had a Honda four-wheel motorcycle with a trailer hooked up to the back. And I get out to that village. And for the very first time, we were going to share the gospel message. And I had an orange extension cord running over to the portable generator. And I went over to start the portable generator, and it wouldn't start. So it's getting dark, and I'm not sure what to do. And a Haitian man brought a wooden table down front and placed a dim oil lamp from there. We sang, Today bon. Bell grass, kuma du son. And for the first time, a message of hope was spoken in that village. And we shared the gospel that night. And at the end of the message, we invited it. Anyone here want to make a decision for Jesus to be Lord of your life? And there was no response. And then they asked again, anyone? No response. And finally, a young girl, about nine years old, she meandered through that crowd and she came down front and she prayed. And I remember packing up the equipment and driving back to the mission camp and it was hot and I was tired and we had sold the Victorian home outside of Boston to start this mission and I was frustrated. I hadn't had a Snickers bar for months. And I'm like, God, aren't you bigger than that? I mean, only one life. And it was like, God hit me over the head with the two by four and said, I would have left the 99 to save that one. And we went back to that village again and again and had some more outdoor services and invited some more to respond to the gospel. 
And eventually we planted a church there and drilled a well and started a school and a church. And today a graduate of ours is the pastor and school director there and nearly 300 students attend school there. And so maybe the question for myself as I reflect 40 years is that if we miss that one that God puts us in front of, if we miss that one neighbor, if, if we miss that one coworker, then maybe we miss the many and we will miss the vision that God has for our lives and that we will miss having a vision greater than our lifetimes if we miss the one. One of my jobs when I was a missionary kid in Haiti was to go out and purchase Coca-Cola for the missionaries. And the closest village was a mile away. And so I would walk down to the village of B-Ray and I carried a backpack with some empty Coke bottles inside because in those days you needed to bring an empty bottle to purchase a full bottle of Coca-Cola because the bottle was worth more than the Coca-Cola. And there was a man selling Coca-Cola in the village in an old broken refrigerator. It was flipped upside down like a cooler and inside he put blocks of ice and sprinkled some sawdust on it so it wouldn't melt fast and these Coke bottles would float in that murky water. I remember pulling out the bottles and wiping them off and putting them in the backpack and walking back to the mission to give them to the missionaries. And I thought to myself, man, this is crazy. How on earth can they sell Coca-Cola in a village in the middle of Haiti where there's no electricity and no running water? And then years later, I met a neighbor by the name of Mark. Mark worked for Coca-Cola and I began to tell Mark the story of how I lived in Haiti and would buy Coca-Cola in these remote villages. And I said, Mark, how on earth did Coca-Cola get their product in a village without electricity and sell their Coca-Cola in these bottles? And he looked at me and he said, Tim, he built plants for Coca-Cola all around the world. He said, Tim, the vision of Coca-Cola was that every person on the planet would taste Coke. Now, I'd like to do a little research. Would you help me this morning at all campuses online in the room? Would you raise your hand if you have ever tasted Coca-Cola? Just by, and then raise it really nice and high. And then I want you to look around for a moment. If you've ever tasted Coca-Cola, raise your hand nice and high. And look around, just look around for a moment. I think Coca-Cola did really good at their mission. And for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And the mission of God is that everyone on the planet would taste Jesus. And because God so loved the world, I believe he sends us. He sends you. And he sends you. And he sends us to our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our homes that we may see the vision that he has for us, that his son Jesus loves us, and that we would surrender to that vision and we would serve others. I mean, what would happen in your neighborhood if you would serve your neighbors? Unfortunately, there are some of us, we have prayed, dear Lord, would you move that neighbor away? But maybe God is asking us to say, no, I don't want them to move. I want to step into their story and I want to serve them in their pain. And go speak hope today. Go speak that vision into people's lives because you represent God and he invites us to be a part of a vision that will outlast our lifetime because we'll touch one life 
And when that person finds Jesus, they have a life change for eternity's sake. So I wanna invite us to pray at all locations this morning here at the London campus. Would you stand with me? I wanna pray for us that we would go from here and that we would be surrendered to this vision, that we would go speak hope because we have seen the vision that Jesus loves you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for my dear friends here at the Creek. First, I wanna thank you for your son, Jesus, that gives us hope. But God, may we not just keep it to ourselves, but God, may we spread it, may we scatter it, may we surrender to it and go speak it to others. And God, humbly I pause and I thank you for the love and generosity of the Creek Church because generosity changes lives and we're seeing the fruit of that 40 years. And so we celebrate all that you are doing through our lives. But dear God, use us to bring hope to those that are hurting for your glory. In Jesus' name.